Today we take a conscious turn from Life Visioning, which has been this lovely book by Michael Beckwith. And um, it's been a joy to receive your emails and hear what's happening in Books for Life and just the little buzzes and energies that have gone around. And so I'm just grateful for how we participated in that. And I put a sticky here. If you don't have the book and you actually want the eight steps to life visioning, then you can just photo them on your phone um, if somehow that wasn't made available to you during the, the series. And I'm very excited about sharing today. And those of you that I personally invited that came, uh, I want to thank you for coming because today is one of those talks that I feel in my belly and um, feels extra intentional than normal. So I pray that the energy translates or that there's an obvious translation for you within. And what I want to talk about today is um, the gift that spirituality or religion brings us. I actually should say a gift, a gift that the great um, faith traditions or spirituality brings us. And I think it's um, so powerful because It often goes unaccessed or forgotten, in my experience. And what I'm talking about is something of mystery or miracles or um, something way beyond the mind, a way of hearing and a way of seeing and a way of being in the world that is not about externals and not about our culture and not about our story, but is clearly a different way it's a shift in vibration. It's something that is accessed or stepped into or agreed with and something opens. Do you know what I'm talking about loosely or lightly? <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to definitely put some bones on it. But it isn't just that this mystical, miraculous, sort of heartfelt power can be forgotten or not accessed. It's that is particularly not accessed in the moment of the stress or of the crunch, or when we are particularly limited or in confusion or in pain. So I think many of us can access this in our practice, this sort of mystical, miraculous, divine energy. Many of us can have aha moments or experience deep peace. Many of us get knowings or visions, but it is usually by far the exception, not the rule. And it is usually not a juicy, palpable thing that hums us and pulses us that is unmistakable when we come across another, another being. It's usually something that we get lucky enough to hear that fell in our lap, right, like out of the blue, or we just were on our knees, like committed, right, and maybe tuned up our practice or tuned up our listening, and like we wake up and we got it. We got whatever the guidance was or the permission was. It usually isn't integrated in such a way that it's just this unmistakable union that extends outward no matter what's happening and is actually extra available when we want to constrict or contract. It's extra available when someone hurts us or when there's a job loss or when we're in a financial crunch or when we're having a health issue. And um, I was sharing in, in the mindful minute that I did yesterday for tomorrow that I heard on a podcast 
that religious leaders and teachers are actually acknowledging and naming that for hundreds of years they have not taught this or demonstrated this. I just want you to let this land on you, that top long-term religious leaders and teachers in major faith traditions are saying we have not done a good job at passing on that divinity is lived and accessed and in you and you can have it any given moment and is your birthright that it's actually something that there's been a separation and that there's been so much infighting among leaders about who we are and what makes us good that it hasn't often been accessed themselves. And when I heard this again, it, it was mind-blowing for me that as, as leaders of institutions, this could really be owned, that one of the major gifts of spirituality and religion that we hope to pass on and empower and invite people into has for hundreds of years been lost and not taught or demonstrated. And I just would like to see how that lands on you. I, w I found this incredibly refreshing and I found that it gave so much permission that if even leaders and teachers are not getting it, no wonder, no wonder we don't know what to do when externals are overwhelming. No wonder we don't know what to do when we're at the end of ourself. No wonder we don't know what to do when things do not make concrete sense. No the F wonder. <laughs> or why we will come in this room and ask over and over, how do we get it? How do we access the thing? Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. So I'd really like for just a moment to hear from you how it lands to either hear for the first time or again that there is ownership among leaders of major faith traditions that in this area we haven't done our job so good and that this belongs to you and that it is actually the, a true gift that spiritually and religion exist for East, west, north, south, up, down, whatever your thing is, organized, unorganized, that this is the heart of it. How does this land? Can I get any feedback? Amen. <laughs> Amen, right? Like, let's dissolve some of these things that don't need to be in the way. Like, let's invoke permission, right? and power at the individual level of like birthright, right? Anybody else, what's your, what's your initial response, whether this is the first time or you've heard it 20 times? It just gives me such hope. It's, it's, it gives hope, right? Ah, mm -hmm. oh, yes, it gives hope. Christiana? Well, it just reminds me that like, you know, especially like organized, a lot of organized religion was part of a long tradition of controlling people. Yes. And so they were keeping that, those truths from sharing them with people because they want to control, want yes. to control. So I think it's, you know, now that leaders are aware that they haven't been transmitting that um, information in a very clear way, that's good that they're waking up. Oh, it's so great, like waking yeah. up publicly, mm. like waking up in ways that take responsibility. Mm. And I even heard one pat podcast where um, like hardcore Christians were like saying, look at what people in the Eastern traditions are doing about how they can observe and how they can allow and how they can meditate and give permission. And so this, this blessing of the gift and this mingling of what each tradition has brought us, it, it's, it's creating a, a true oneness, yes? Mm -hmm. And so um, 
I felt many of the same ways that we're, that we're sharing here, that it, it empowered something, that we all can have access to this. We all can claim and own this or feel or realize this. And it doesn't have to be far away or few and far between. Or I don't have to behave a certain way to get it. You know, I don't have to go to my church every Sunday. <laughs> you know, all these criteria that qualify you, you know, for the divinity that lives inside you, right? That there is a mystical, miraculous presence that is right here. <clears throat> and when I listen to these, and I just love the way the universe works, that there just happened to be this convergence among these podcasts I'm listening to and these things that I'm reading, right? And the overwhelming way in, the overwhelming like bridge or step to what we're talking about here, this lived miraculous presence that is ours. You want to know what it was? I know you know, but I'll tell you anyway, according to these various resources. Opening to non-dual consciousness, the contemplative mind, a state of oneness, or knowing a thing by union with that thing. Let me offer those to you again. The way in to this lived access presence in real time, like exactly where you need it in your life, right? Non-dual consciousness, the contemplative mind, a state of oneness, or knowing a thing by union with a thing. So we might call this felt mystical experience Jesus, we might call it divine intelligence. We might call it love. We might know it as just a deep centeredness, just mm, in the body that's present and open. There's lots of different ways that we personally connect and organize with this, organize this. And I want to empower you that it is intensely personal intensely personal. It'll be felt by you and structured by you mentally and experienced by you or sensed in by DJ in completely different ways. And it is exactly the same essence or energy that we are opening to or feeling or connecting with. Now, let me be super clear. This is not just a nice practice. This is not just something that we hope to feel. This is not something that masters talk about. This is the thing. This is the way by which everything else is understood. This is the way by which everything else is accessed and makes sense. In fact, one uh, priest even criticized his brethren, if that's what they're called, <laughs> about how they interpret the Bible because the Bible is not largely interpreted with a non-dual mind. It's interpreted with a very dual mind that reduces biblical truth down to the level of the body and good or bad or right and wrong. And that the, the inspiration of the Bible or any sacred text can't even be downloaded if we can't come to it with a contemplative non-dual mind that joins with a thing by becoming one with the thing. Can you feel me on that? It, it like opens up possibilities that are huge from what many of us have heard or been trained in that has been incredibly dualistic, one up, one down, right or wrong, or incredibly literal, right? <clears throat> so this, this non-dual consciousness, this contemplative mind is, is the way in and through and over 
what is in front of us, what ails or challenges us. It's not so much that that thing that is before us is to be fixed as much as it is a reminder to get non-dual about it. It's a reminder to get contemplative about it. The money, the girlfriend, the boyfriend, the house, the, ch the kid, that thing is not so much there to be fixed or transformed or understood or handled as much as it is a reminder to get whole, to get contemplative, to get non-dual, to know what is before you by joining it beyond understanding. That's the invitation, and that when we do it, the mystery is revealed. That when we do it, something opens. We are so focused on what we have to do. Quit talking about just do something. What if we quit doing something and just got quiet? <laughs> right? Now, let me um, see if I can organize what I'm sort of releasing passionately with a little bit more grounding. And this is from Richard Rohr. Non-dual consciousness or contemplation is an exercise in openness within what is happening, okay? Where we want to or walk away, right? It's an exercise in openness within what is happening. It is in keeping the heart, mind, and body open long enough for us to notice other hidden material. It is an exercise. So whatever's happening with those things I just mentioned, I'm going to stay open enough in mind, in heart, in body, long enough for the hidden material to surface. Long enough for the divine wisdom that is beyond understanding to become clear to me. When we can do that, when we can stay open in heart, mind, and body, we are content with the present moment and can then wait upon futures we know will be given by grace. We know will be given by grace. Guys, we cannot think our way through this on our best day. Okay? I am going to practice my way into a solution, right? I am going to pro-con myself into whatever, right? Or I'm going to just let go and let God and do nothing and just really check out, right? Right? <clears throat> when we can do that, when we can stay open in heart, mind, and body, and we'll talk about that, we can access a contentment with the present moment and can wait upon futures we know will be given by grace. This is called, quote, full access knowing, not irrational, but deeply intuitive, both rational and transrational at the same time. How cool is that? Both rational, although it hasn't been made known yet, like the logic of it is coming, and transrational. That means we didn't just figure it out with our best logic, because that's what our culture says you do when you lose a job or have to move homes. We got transrational, right? That there was a deeper wisdom and invitation, a, a hidden wholeness, trying to beckon you into your own wholeness that we forgot or didn't access. Now, here's, the, here's like the exclamation point. The supreme work of spirituality, which makes presence possible. Oh, this is good to know, right? I'd like to know what makes presence possible, right? Is keeping the heart space open. The result of conscious love. Woo! How's that for an invitation? To love consciously. Keeping right mind, the work of prayer and meditation. And keeping the body alive with contentment, which is sensation, 
without attachment to the past. Holy crap, how are we doing? (laughs) And, And I say that because we don't hear this. We don't hear that this is what spirituality or religion is, an invitation to keep the heart open by finding your personal way, my personal way, to love consciously. How do I do that in this tough moment? Myself included, not just you, right? And me, how do I love with discernment and presence and inspiration? And how do I keep right mind? Doesn't mean I don't think, right? But there's a balance and there's a contemplation and there's a coming from wholeness and there's the ability to pause and slow the egoic mind, which will operate. That's okay, ego, you get to be there. I see you. And I go a little deeper, right? And how about that last one? Keeping the body alive with contentment, which is sensation without attachment to the past. Whew! This is the supreme work of spirituality, otherwise known as presence? I don't know about you, but I didn't read that in my Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Whew, I wish someone would have told me that when I was 14. Okay, maybe 22, I don't know, somewhere. (laughs) Wow. In that state, that state of opened heart, heart, body, and mind, we are neither resisting nor clinging, and we can experience something genuinely new. This is the good news. This is the good news, that we can experience something genuinely new. Wow, welcome. And lastly, those who can practice keeping all three spaces open, heart, mind, and body, will know the presence that connects everything to everything. I want you to breathe that in for a moment. Those of us that can practice opening the heart alongside of what hurts, which doesn't mean we minimize what hurts, that can open the mind to thinking beyond the automatic reaction that wants to label and judge, but can, there's more going on here. Let me slow down and just breathe and see what I think, what I think after some feelings have passed, <laughs> right? Or I've taken a moment. And let me see if I can keep the body alive and open through the breath, through yoga, through slowing down, and can find that sense of landing, that sense of contentment. I can feel the wind on my face, see your beauty, and access sensation disconnected from my stories. Spontaneous, authentic feedback. How does this land on you? And then we'll get into some practical how-tos. How does this feel? How does this land as an invitation into contemplation and oneness, which is the gateway into this lived, mystical, miraculous divine energy that is ours for the having, for the being, for the remembering. Encouraging. Encouraging. It's hopeful, not it gives us an up energy, doesn't it? It does for me. Yes, a couple others also. How else does this land? Powerful. Powerful. Very powerful, right? I mean, it takes some stuff out of the way, doesn't it? (laughs) Right? About doing it right or good and bad. It's freeing. It's freeing. Why would you say no? Why would you say no? Why would you say no? Here, here. If Nancy was here, we'd be saying here, here. Yeah. So let me share with you some concrete situations of what this 
contemplative mind or non-dual consciousness looks like in the moment. And then I'm going to invite you to pick a situation privately. You don't have to share any detail, but I'm going to invite you to pick a real life situation. It can be an easy one or one that's tougher. And I'm going to give you some tools and we won't see if, if something doesn't open or become possible in the privacy of your own spaciousness. Okay. Let's say, for example, in terms of what this looks like in concrete situations, there's great external distress. Something is happening, decisions need made, there's fear. This could be money, job, relational with your children, with your body and health. You follow me? Great. Um, something grave is going on. And you remember the non-dual mind or contemplative consciousness. And you take a breath. Okay, all that's going on. And when you sit with it and you say, all of that is here, it is not me eternally, it does not define me. I am not the job, my bank account, that relationship, or my child. doesn't mean I don't feel about it, but it isn't me. And then a spaciousness comes. Over time, when you practice, and there's the ability to truly exhale, ah, oh, that's out there. This is where I am. I am in here. And you sit with that spaciousness, and you give it a moment. And then a presence emerges from within or descends from without. A palpable presence, an energy, a possibility, an invitation. And it usually comes in two forms. There's either a knowingness that you'll figure it out and you find your way, or there's a next indicated step. I don't know why, I don't know how it makes sense, but I need to call that lady in Orlando and I need to ask her such and such. And it's often nonsensical to the rational mind, right? And we keep nurturing that spacious breath that says, I am not that, and opens and allows this energy, this mystical, miraculous presence to emerge. Or our eyes are open because it descends on us through people and circumstances and synergies. Or we'll get that knowing of that nudge, that next one step. I know I just need to rest today. I just need to unplug from devices and just go within. This is what it looks like. It does not look like Eckhart Tolle overnight conversion where he like became a master after being suicidal. That is not the normal path. Okay? Another concrete example of what this can look like in, in real life is that someone is doing something awful, just unjust, just, just painful to you whether they're conscious of it or not. And it is not okay. And you know needs something needs done. And you're hurting or you're angry. And there's great offense or insult. And instead of staying locked only in your perspective, you let your perspective be there with everything you feel and desire. And then you say, let me open up to enough compassion to see what might be going on for them and what spirit might be doing. What is going on in the bigger picture? What am I not aware of? What is coming forward that I can help come forward? Because I can maintain connection, not only to that other, but also to the truth of what needs done. And I act out of connectivity and compassion instead of acting out of separation and judgment. And it looks something like, what's going on here? It just doesn't seem okay. It doesn't seem good for both either of us. 
you feel this way and I feel that way and you're thinking this and I'm thinking that. And I know there's a higher invitation or call. I know there's a way that we can listen or open. And this night, it might just be a conversation you have with yourself. It might not be a conversation in agreement. But we come at what's happening from connection and compassion, which opens the constriction that would shut out the mystical and miraculous. You feel me? And one more example before we get into some steps. Let's say there's great loneliness or emptiness, great depression or great wounding or trauma, and you just can't shake it. You know what I'm talking about? And there's a moment's pause and a moment's breath, and someone says something or does something, or something falls in your lap, and it doesn't take it away, but there's a glimpse there's just this glimpse that there is hope. There, there's, there's a recognition that there is more to me than this. And there's a breath of fresh air. And it's enough that it inspires a type of outreach or a saying yes to an invitation. And even though you're going kicking and screaming, it's almost like you have to drag yourself to that event or you have to like force the call or to the gym or whatever it is. And then you get there and you're like, oh, this is where I was supposed to be. And then a sense of hope surfaces. And there's a plan that emerges. Fixed? No. But that was never the point. Am I still feeling in pain? Yes. But that was never the point. The point was to invite us in to the, to the non-dual contemplative space where, knows that, where we know a thing by union with the thing. The understanding comes from the union. Do you follow me? The understanding does not come from the question or the withdrawal or the reaction or the analysis or the figuring or my therapist, including me. (laughs) It comes from union with a thing where I am so intensely present with what is happening that I reclaim consciousness. That does not mean I agree. That does not mean you are right. That does not mean I don't set a boundary or draw a line or need to take action. You've said such an all or nothing thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm We stay so present, you know, we want to, right? That's the invitation, is to develop our inner grit of non-duality that gets so firm and so gentle and so present that we see the consciousness that was there all along. How about that for the gift of spirituality? Yes, I like it too. So let me um, offer you some actual practices and I'm going to really invite you to think about something that's up for you gentle and simple or something big and it just feels hard or painful or unsolvable or it's where is the mystical and the miraculous where is the heartful power of divinity number one and this list is by no means exhaustive number one Whole or both and thinking. Whole or both and thinking that unites us and amplifies commonality as opposed to separates us and amplifies differences. Questions like, what is God up to for the two of us? Questions like that. Or, what is the universe doing big picture? Or, how are problems happening for me instead of to me? 
because they're inviting something forward that I've been afraid of or flat out avoided. Whole or both and thinking that looks for commonalities and connection while addressing what is happening. Okay, so it's like, how do I really love you in this moment and take care of me? How about that? How about I don't have to make you bad to take care of me? How about I don't have to cut you out to take care of me? Or maybe we do, but it's, it's not a cutting out. It's a bless you. I'm led here. Can you hear the difference between that and cut, cut off and cut out and silence? Like, yeah. So whole or both and thinking that comes from connection and not from differences or separation. And the, uh, the book of joy goes into this so beautifully about how we source in the same presence as in me, is in you, is in that situation. And I find my way into that one little baby step or breath at a time. The second practice or way in to this non-dual consciousness or contemplative mind is the ability to hold space and stay present, being engaged and receptive while the soil's being tilled, while I'm unclear and things are uncertain, while you are not doing what I want you to do. <laughs> do you follow me? While that promotion hasn't come through or, or the, you know, the new space that I need to live in or whatever it is that there are more choices than withdraw, react, or fix. I almost want you to repeat that with me, but I won't make you do it. <laughs> there are more choices than react, withdraw, or fix. And that is what we have boiled our choices down to in our chop, 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 efficient, 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 convenient, fix everything, find a device that does it. That that's what we think is available to us. React, withdraw, or I'm going to just tie it up in a nice little bow. So it's an invitation to hold space, stay present, and wait. Because you know what? God is talking all the time. Or love, or divine intelligence. And will, as this little article says by Richard Rohr, will we exercise openness in heart, mind, and body long enough to get the hidden material? To get this thing that comes from oneness. Where it isn't perfect, but there's a bit of a peace about it. And you know... I love you, but I can't stay here anymore. It's so different than the way we often decide things. You feel me? Mm. Okay. So number one, whole thinking. That's both and that acts out of commonality and connection for both of us as opposed to separation or differences or what either one of us have is wrong or bad. The ability to hold space and stay present and, and open until the hidden material reveals itself. Now, guys, one more comment about this. If you have the capacity to open your heart while something is happening, to soothe your mind and say, Shh, I know, let's get grounded and balanced while something is happening, and to get your body in that yogic state that we often feel after yoga, right? Oh, I'm back. Or massage. Oh, I'm home. While that thing is happening, I promise you, the hidden material will reveal itself. Because that is the natural eternal way, not what is overwhelming our senses. Okay? Mm -hmm. Number three. Whoo, I don't like this one. <laughs> I'll just say it, Paige. Okay. An active or concrete discernment that redirects, pauses, or refuses duality. So I had this... 
girlfriend called me and uh, she was kind of talking negatively about some life conditions and I wanted to jump on that wagon so bad. <laughs> that does suck and I do hate that. And you know, I'm having that same problem. And I just so, was so tempted to step into the problems that are happening to me. It was just so attractive to um, connect with her. And she wasn't inviting the connection. She was sharing. But I was invited into, poor me. And life is rough. And I've got it hard. And just this thing, just, have you heard the get behind me Satan thing? It was just, it was just get behind me. Like that thought process is what I'm talking about. Not some entity that's out to get me, right? The thought process of, I don't have to jump onto that. Like I am taken care of. The universe is for me. I can get non-dual and I can get contemplative and see the goodness that is inviting me forward and not buy into this illusion that will dissipate as soon as I'm rested (laughs) or will dissipate as soon as that crisis resolves itself. Are you with me? Or as soon as I get clear how powerful I am and remember that the creator of the universe has my back. Oh yeah. Oh sister, you can have that. And in fact, I even got a little love for you. It is hard, and I'm here, and I can listen. You feel the difference? Gosh, it's so tempting. It is like seduction, right? How we want to jump on that bandwagon that separates and disconnects and gets us small and insufficient and barely hanging on. And I better shore up, because I'm just dying over here. No! No! Let me read you one more time. The supreme work of spirituality, which makes presence possible, is keeping the heart space open, keeping a right mind, and keeping the body alive with contentment, i.e. sensation, without attachment to the past, and that those of us that can practice keeping these three open will know the presence, capital P presence, will know the God, will know the love, will know the divine energy that connects everything to everything connects everything to everything. You to what you love. You to what your soul's purpose is. You to what you dream about. You to what brings your body to life. You to what makes you all tingly and makes life worth living. You to the money that you need. You to the relationship you need. Whatever connects everything to everything. Like you won the lottery. And there's not just one. Kara. Do you see that truth in other religious writings and stuff that has not been brought up? Yes! I do. And in fact, thanks to Nicole, there is a book by Rami Shapiro called, um, what's it called, Nicole? <laughs> it's, um, he's, it's called Spirituality for Holy Rascals, and he's got one called Perennial Wisdom. Perennial Wisdom, okay? He analyzes five different traditions and the oneness, the non-duality in these five traditions, and he pulls out from the Bible and from the Bhagavad Gita and from... Um, uh, couple others. He, you know, the, the sacred, tr- he pulls out the synonymous meaning of the, so it's like coming, right? It's like we're getting there. But she had to like dig that up in like one of her book searches. I mean, it's not widely known, but yes, it's coming, right? And it moves us and it gives us hope. So back to the situation I invite you to, to think about, right? Do you remember that? Yeah. So we're kind of running out of time, but I, I do want to take a quick minute and just check in and just see if whole both and thinking, the ability to hold space and stay presence and wait, not to react, withdraw, or fix, 
And this, this concrete, like living discernment to redirect, to press pause on the external, to not buy onto the, du- the, dual, the dual mind, the external mind. Does anyone notice anything without revealing details or anything you're not comfortable? Does, does anything become available or um, open for you? Nicole. I had a, an opportunity to, to um, experience that this week with a decision around my business. And mm. what it brought was a level of intimacy with my employees and the ease and a grace around a very difficult decision that we all were so much better that I walked away going, I could have never dreamt that <laughs> in my wildest dreams. Yeah. And yeah. it just made it all so there, but so much easier. Phyllis, you wanted to share. No, I actually had a, a question. Okay. But if you could give like some more examples on how, how one can react, like to when someone's, you know, in, you know, um, victim mode, but you want to stay present, mm-hmm. like what, what can you say? What, what are things when you're in victim mode? No, when someone's in victim mode and talking to you. So when someone's in victim mode, that's going to be different for all of us. And the invitation is to pause yourself and go within and find your center and find your source. Because it might be that you sit there and listen and just say, I hear you and I see you. That might be the wisdom. Mm-hmm. The wisdom might be, this isn't good for anyone. And I got to say, you know, I'm so sorry you're going through this, but I'm, I'm aware I'm not present and I'm aware I'm not loving you the way I want to, so I'm going to take a minute or an hour or a day and I will get back to you. Mm-hmm. Or what would it be like to say, can we just pray right now? Right? Can we pray right now? So in one, you extend the love that's in you and you hold space. In another one, you realize you're losing your own center and so you interrupt it and say, I got to go. And another one, you're inviting yourself into union through some kind of prayer or meditation or walk or spiritual practice. So the invitation, though, is not even to have to solve it when someone's doing that, but to go within. See, there's the invitation. Get whole about it. Get non-dual about it. Get contemplative about it. That's the exercise to build our grit to hear, to see, to get present. To let, God's got them. Like, spirits got them. And it's when we will go in and remember, oh yeah, doesn't mean I'm not hurting, doesn't mean I don't care, but I remember what matters. I remember who I am. I remember what is true, holy, and good. And I wait for the next indicated step. That's the same as someone's being a victim or someone's being domineering. And it will look different for every one of us. But that's just the stuff. It's just the stuff for you to find your wholeness. That's the gift, is that we step into the presence where we're open enough that the hidden material is revealed. Where we're open enough, not constricted enough, not up here enough, not, not uh, defended in our heart, walled off enough, that we can't hear, feel, and see. This is the best kept secret of religion <laughs> for hundreds and hundreds of years that we breathe to open the body. We relax the egoic mind and say, shh, I know you're there. And we open ourselves to higher thinking. And we get in the body 
through yoga and stretching and baths and massage where, oh yeah, there I am. And we get rested so that all the stuff that constricts and muddies the hidden material is removed. All right. Any final thoughts?